You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in five, four, three, two. I'm the Community Outreach Specialist with HC Reach and co-host Lauren Holder. And we are here uh, with Dave and Susie for this episode of Love in a Hopeless Place called Layers of Love, where we're going to kind of dive into their, their love, how it started, how it's going today, how they keep it together, um, and the complexities of finding love within the HD community. So I am so excited that you guys are here and, and thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, I want to start off like for people who do not know you, I know you're very well known, but for those who do not know you, um, how did your story begin? What does it look like? And how did you get to where you're at now? You could start now. Oh, I get to start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, boy, where to start? Um, uh, I think it, uh, started uh we just say it started in orlando at the uh, 2000 uh convention uh group called hunt this had decided an online group had decided that uh those attending the convention we'd have a pool party the night before the convention started so that uh everybody could put faces with names Faces with emails. Or faces with emails. Yeah, faces and names, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this one here, he kind of led the charge and uh, told everybody, just look for the old geezer in a Speedo. So, you know, you go and uh, everybody started gathering. Of course, nobody really knew, okay, are they with the group? Are they with the group? And uh, you can see people looking around for somebody in a Speedo. It was him, but he didn't have a Speedo the way people were expecting a Speedo. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm just envisioning like a, an actual Speedo. No, don't go there. <laughs> no. yeah, I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. <laughs> it was a regular, nice swim trunks that... Uh, made by speedo <laughs> but uh just throughout the evening you know different ones uh talking to each other and everything i ended we ended up uh sitting next to each other you know getting uh talking with the group and uh i think you invited me to dinner with the oklahoma group yes was that friday night maybe uh thursday night yeah i believe no, that was when we was in Oklahoma. Hmm. No? 
anyway anyway it's been a long time he started stalking me actually oh no <laughs> so it just happened that uh then during the convention at different times uh we'd run into each other our groups you know how that goes he was with one group i was another group and we'd end up at the same places and uh so we got to know each other better um after the convention uh the day we were going home he happened to be uh waiting for Transporta transportation, transportation to the airport when I and my girlfriend came up and to wait for transportation too. So we're sitting there chit-chatting and everything. And uh, as ours came first and as we walked away, I told my friend Colleen, I said, he's kind of interesting. And that was it. And you take over for a while. <laughs> what well, was your pot stalker yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's important to go back and let people know that we are a blended family yeah uh Susie's husband died with HD my wife died with HD uh Susie had one son who died with HD and she has two others that are uh free and don't have HD we on my side we had four kids a son and three daughters three of the four have or had HD. Unfortunately, my oldest, my son, committed suicide. My youngest, Emily, tested positive, well, maybe two years, three years ago. Oh, longer than that. And she's just been the world to us. She's gotten so knowledgeable about HD. And then my oldest daughter, Kate, just recently tested and tested positive for HD. At any rate, we... We continued to correspond through email, this and that, and uh, felt a relationship building. And at some point, I asked Susie to help me care for my wife. That was in, uh, I after my husband passed, I started travel nursing. I needed something different. And I was a nurse, so I started doing uh, travel nursing and was going all over and uh i had an assignment in illinois woo because i was from oklahoma and that put us closer together and we got to see each other more often and um then at the 2002 convention or 2000 2001 no 2002 2002 uh at the convention we were talking and uh dave had lost another caregiver and the company that had been providing them said they weren't going to send another one mm -hmm. and he didn't know what the, he was going to do my contract at the hospital in illinois was ending and they weren't going to use travel nurses anymore only staff and so they had offered me a staff position that I could take, but I didn't have a place to live because travel nursing, they uh, provide my apartment and everything. But now I would have to get an apartment and pay for it on my own. And 
to stay there, I would be taking a big pay cut. And so I just didn't see how I could afford an apartment and bills and everything on what I would be making. So we was like, well, what are we going to do? And then it's your turn to take over. Uh, as it were, uh, for those that know the Chicagoland area, at the time I lived in Naperville, which was only about 20 miles from where Susie was working. And I asked her to come and stay with my wife, my four kids, and help me care for Paula, my late wife. Uh, she was becoming very, very difficult to work with. And I had made the thing that you're never supposed to do. I made a promise to my wife that she would never go into a nursing home. And we kept that promise uh, all the way up to the time that she passed away. Uh, the nice thing was I worked during the day. Susie worked at night. So it was a nice even split. Uh, the kids were not, they were not too overly enthusiastic about it, but they understood. Susie told them that she was not replacing their mother. She was becoming their friend and she has become their best friend. Uh, after Paula died, I think a year, a year went by mm -hmm. and uh, Carmen Leal, uh, an HD author, came into Chicago. She stayed at our house and we took her downtown uh, to get her something to eat at a restaurant. And the restaurants we went to uh, weren't what we were looking for. And she turned around. She said, you know, when are you two going to get hitched? I looked at Susie, she looked at me, and she said, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> so in 2000, my wife had died in 2004. In 2005, uh, we got a hold of Oriental Trading. Uh, of course, and, we got a hold of uh, HDSA. Oh, we got a hold of HDSA and said we want to hold a wedding at the Atlanta Convention. They said, oh, yeah, go for it. So we got a hold of a minister at... Uh, Ministers no, are. Yeah, Northern Alabama, Northern Georgia ministers are us. Got a hold of a guy who was willing to do the service. Uh, we went down to Atlanta. Uh, we had all this stuff from Oriental Trading. It was all blow up stuff, which made it even more fun based on a trop tropical theme. Yeah. Uh, tacky tropical. Very tacky <laughs> tropical. The invitations, there were no invitations. Uh, if you were in the hotel, whether you were related to the Huntington's Convention or not, you were invited. And they put it up on the big... Uh, they put it up on the marquee. Uh, yeah. Hodgson Leck wedding, which was kind of neat. And that Thursday night before the convention, we got married. Uh, Carmen sang the entrance song, which was, what, Let There Be Love, I think. Mm -hmm. the wedding song wedding song and then my best friend had come down to atlanta he was uh, my best man and bill marsh who was convention coordinator at the time walked me down the aisle and then gene uh, miller who was uh, the original hd google live and in person was Susie's maid of honor and uh, one of my daughters paid for the bar so we had about oh what else we got the we got the room the ballroom for free mm -hmm. the, i guess the hotel actually uh gave us the room for free 
HDSA paid for the wedding cake and uh, a merry time was had after that. We had a cash bar unless we uh, brought in over $500 and my daughter pulled out a credit card, ran it for $500 and it was a, an open bar the rest of the night. But uh, nice. it was kind of cool. We're, we like to say that we were the first ones to get married at a convention. Uh, I think it's been done once or twice before, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, as I say, if you were in, if you were in the hotel, you were invited. Uh, so it was a good time. Yeah. And that was that. <laughs> and it was the wedding that almost didn't happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got down there with all the stuff. Uh, we had to rent two rooms, one for us and then one for Bob. Bobby. So I slapped my credit card up for mine and Susie's, and then I slapped it up for Bobby's. They ran it. We got up to Bobby's room, and we got a call. Sir, your card did not go through for that room. Oh, my God, what are we going to do now? So went back downstairs. My best man happened to arrive at the time, and I was looking at hauling back almost a trailer load of decorations my best man we were ready to turn yeah, we were ready to turn around and come home but my best man happened to walk in uh to the hotel i said brian can you pay for this room and we'll pay you back he said yeah not a problem so he paid for bobby's room so we got lucky and uh, and it had already been stressful because we lost bob <laughs> oh yeah that, <laughs> getting to atlanta was another problem we had to get bob from oklahoma oklahoma to uh orlando we no, took to Atlanta. Oh, to Atlanta. And we told him to sit behind the bus driver and ask him any questions and to get off at the airport. We'd meet him at the airport at uh, Hartsfield. Well, the bus came, passengers got off, no Bobby. <laughs> and here we are looking for Bob in the metropolitan Atlanta area. And we were lucky enough to get the bus terminal's phone number in Atlanta. Susie called them, they gave us directions. We drove in, drove around the block a couple of times. I saw two Greyhound buses parked and I said, that's gotta be the place. Susie moved over, <laughs> sat in the car. I ran in to get Bobby and there Bobby was sitting on the bench. Bob got in the car, Bob had been found. And uh, we went back to the, the hotel, but talk about stress, just incredible. And we made it through. So. I was about to say, very stressful lead up, but then the, the actual wedding sounds amazing. It was. Sounds. Beautiful. And you guys have been married for how long now? Uh, 17 years. 17 Never years. Going up on 18. Yeah. So and wow. and on top of, you know, you took care of, of Dave's wife, but um, from that point, I mean, you were caring for your son, right, Susie? Right. We took care of uh, Bob, and everybody knows the Bob. And everybody knows Bob, yeah. <laughs> He's great. We took care of him at home until he passed in January of 2020. 20. Yeah. And then so. we, had, we had decided that we're probably going to have more of our family with HD. We need a bigger house. So we moved into where we are now. It's a four bedroom. It's a nice home and there's room for everyone. My son did not move in. 
at the time, he was estranged from me. Uh, from all of us. Yeah, from all of us. Didn't want to talk to me. Uh, didn't want Just me to us. touch the dog. He didn't want anybody to get involved with him. In the any way. The last time we saw him, he was with his then girlfriend at the funeral of my best friend, the guy who had come down to Atlanta. And, and he didn't even speak to us. Yeah, he didn't even speak to us then. And then uh, July 1st of 19. 2019, I get a call from the Naperville police that they had found him and he had committed suicide, put a gun to his head. Uh, he had a lot of stress in his life, money being the biggest stress, but he never really reached out for help. And to this day, I wish he would have. I would have given him, you know, the cliche, give him the shirt off your back. I would have given him anything he needed, which is how we deal with our, our two girls that have HD. If they need something, they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way we did with Bob. Yeah, we did the same thing with Bob. And I guess it's our purpose on uh, this rock called Earth is to take care of those that have HD, whether it's family or outside of the family or uh, the greater family of the HD community, we're there to help people. That's, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, our story is, you know, a lot of people, and we say this often, go through their whole lives and even their married lives together, and they just roll along. And But we go with a purpose. We know that God brought us together, and he brought us together for a purpose. And that was to lift each other up and to help each other get through children having this disease and to share what we have learned over multitude of years of caring for people with HD, to share that knowledge with other people to help them. And uh, Bob's, Bob's mantra was, live like Bob, live like me. Uh, Bob, whenever he talked to people, he would tell them, I'm not dying from HD, I'm living with HD. And that was Bobby's mantra. Uh, we had a lot of laughs, we had a lot of tears, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Uh, sometimes other caregivers would come up to us and say, oh, you're so lucky. There's two of you, you've been down the, you've been down the HD path, you know what's ahead of you. Well, you really don't. Because it's different with each. Every every HD patient is different, which we have found out uh, through having four people with HD in our family. And everyone. Everyone has been different. So it's something always new. So if you're looking for the same thing, if you have multiple people you're taking care of, you're going to find the same thing. Everyone is different. Nobody's the same. But what I love about your story what always warms my heart is the fact that, you know, you were both caregivers um, and you found each other and you've been able to support each other. And, you know, most people, like you said, they kind of just roll through life and, and, and you guys were able to provide support and then build this love. And what an amazing relationship to have um and and to find each other that way um to be able to support each other and love each other like that that's amazing susie stalked me don't let her get away with <laughs> oh i know it 
So it's a mutual stalking. Yeah, it was. Like I say, there've been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of fun, fun times. Uh, we always took Bobby anywhere we went. He came with us. Uh, my daughter, Emily, is because of her Korea, uh, she doesn't care to go out anywhere for fear of being embarrassed. We understand that. The thing with Emily is that we can still understand her. Her speech is crystal clear. Uh, yeah, Kate, isn't that interesting? Yeah, Kate is a little bit different in that she has some movement, but she speaks very softly and it's hard to hear her. Uh, both had uh, CAG counts in the 40s, as did my son. We don't know what my wife had. That's something also interesting. My wife was diagnosed in 1986 before the test. Mm -hmm. uh, we took her down to the University of Chicago to be examined by a very well-known HD neurologist who put her through a few tests. He looked at her family history and then she went to another room with a nurse and I was in the room with the doctor. And he said, well, what do you think? Should I tell her? And I said, should you tell her? Of course, that's why we're here. We want to know. And he said, well, she has HD. So she was diagnosed and not tested. As it were, our kids have proven his diagnosis correct. So. And it was the same with my late husband, you know, test wasn't available at the time and he was diagnosed by symptoms so we never knew his CAG count either Bob's was 50 so and how far we've come in terms of research but how far do we still have to go mm -hmm. you know that cure is out there we know it's out there we have to find it will it be in our lifetime don't know God has a plan and yeah. We trust in that plan. We don't have to know what it is. We just have to trust that he's in control. He has a plan. And when the time it. when the time is right, we'll know. We'll know. So. And that may not be till we see Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we may we may croak before that comes. But, uh, <clears throat> now, do you feel like you're, you're sticking to your, it. your faith is like is is a very big um center stone for you guys to keep you grounded to keep you living within how how difficult i'm sure this purpose is but it's still keeping you at your purpose of focusing on your loved ones with hd yeah. and, and humor i think is and being able to laugh at mm -hmm. ourselves with each other instead of at each other but you know, finding the humor, like the time at the convention when we became uh, known just as Dave oh, and Susie. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one more. I have a lot of stories, and I, I'm sorry if, if we're going over the limit. At one of the conventions, Susie, before the convention, Susie had uh, been, exposed. been exposed to a room deodorant at the hospital, typical deodorant that they use in the hospitals. And it was a heavy spray when they came through. She ended up getting a laryngeal spasms. A laryngeal spasm of her throat. Yikes. She coughed a lot, and it was it was unbelievable when it happened. Well, she had an episode at that was at Raleigh, I think. Mm -hmm. She had an episode. I had already gone into the big room because that was the 
uh, the keynote speaker was going to speak and I wanted to save a seat for her. And I'm sitting there and in walks, uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, in walks one of the HD people up to the microphone and he said, would the husband of Susie, was, what did you say? No, would Dave oh, of Dave and Susie. Would Dave of Dave and Susie please come outside? <laughs> the guy in front of me said, boy, it must be pretty cool to be known as, as one name. <laughs> so we and went, it's remained that way. <laughs> we went Everybody that way. knows you as Dave and Susie. Yeah, we, yeah. we often introduce ourselves in HD circles as Dave and Susie, no last name. I literally had to ask, like, Melissa, I was like, wait, what is Dave and Susie's name, last name? I've only heard them Dave and Susie. If, yeah. you, if you're a Jeopardy, <laughs> if you're a Jeopardy fan, uh, they often have the category hodgepodge. And if you take hodge and add a son to it, you'll never mispronounce our name. So that's Perfect. our <laughs> Nice and easy. Nice and easy. What um what kind of advice would you give for other caregivers who are whether they're planning on becoming caregivers whether they find themselves maybe in a similar position of caring for loved ones and finding outside support or finding someone else that they can really confide in and help what like I don't I would say that there's no blueprint for this thing there's not and what I would say and Dave may, you know, have more to add to it. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I tell people is you have to be willing to look and live outside the box mm -hmm. that everybody is in. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. But when you're living with HD and dealing with HD, nobody that hasn't been there can understand, especially when it's a spouse, because that person that you love dearly, they're still there, but you no longer have the intimacy, the uh, support, the um confidence someone to talk to all of that's gone the person is still there and you still love them but you don't have those things that is marriage in a part of you know being a couple it doesn't mean that the love has changed for that spouse it's just situational and so for hd i tell people you know outside the box if it feels right for you then it's right there's no right or wrong it's what is right for you and your situation for me my family uh is southern baptist my daddy was a preacher my brother's a preacher and so when dave and i first got together i <laughs> was pretty much um not disowned or anything but relationship between my mother and my sisters 
sister and brother was strained, very strained. How could you live with a man who's married in his house where his wife is dying? They could not get past the fact that Dave was married and we were living together. Where is taking care of her, right? Thank but you, you were trying to survive. Yeah. So, but so what now, I love, this is something, and it, and it, this is going to be in a different show. Um, but <coughs> Dave and Susie, I want you to know, like, when I tested positive, you know, I was married, and and seeing how your relationship was, knowing the history of it and everything, um, was was very instrumental to me in thinking about when I get sick. And so I've been married for 18 years and, mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I have had multiple talks over the years. I gave him an out. I told him like, you know, if you want to leave, that's fine. I get it. But he doesn't want to leave. But we also discussed and, and came to an agreement that I understand if I get to the point where I can't give those things, then it's okay for him to find that support in somebody else. It's okay to have that. And I mean, literally multiple discussions, you know, this is several year thing, but I think it's important for people, like you said, to think outside the box and realize that we're in such a situation in this community that sometimes people do need that support and, and you know, and it's okay to find it. Right. And it can be right for one person. Right. Not right for another. Exactly. That doesn't make it wrong. Right. You have to do what in in this situation in living with HD, trying to uh, make lemonade out of lemons. Yep. You uh, you have to do what feels right for you. And I have to say, in my case, Yes, it was very difficult being, you know, the relationship between my mother and my brother and sister uh, was strained because we were very, very close. I had always been a close family and it was difficult. But I can tell you now the relationship with them is even stronger and they love Dave. And it's like I was talking to my brother this morning and uh, he said, God brought the two of you together for a reason. And so, you know, they, they understand that now. Yeah. And, uh, and how can you not love a Dave? <laughs> That's right. You can't have too many Daves. You can never have too many Daves. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's like Susie says, it, I think a big part of our relationship is the fact that uh, Susie kind of brought me back to the church. And I don't want to get religious with everybody, but uh, I think it's important that you have something spiritual that's greater than you. It's greater than anything you know. Some people call him, call that person God. Some call him Allah. Some people call him big guy in the sky. But I think it's important that you develop a re relationship with that entity as well as yourself in order to get a better look on your uh, purpose and if you don't have purpose on you know on earth you've lost it 
Our purpose is to take care of people, to help people, to educate people, to advocate for people. That's our purpose. And we love it. We wouldn't want to do anything else. So. And we, the fact that God has brought us together and uh, we know that purpose. And we're just blessed that uh, God chose us. The original, Erica's original question was, I think, how do people go about finding someone to put trust in and to be able to to talk to them, to tell them their problems? Susie fell into my arms. I was lucky. That's not so lucky for a lot of people. Uh, there are people out there that uh, are willing to do that, and God bless them all. But it's, it's difficult. Like I say, because we've gone down the path doesn't make it any easier. No. In fact, it's harder. It's harder with a single person, obviously. Uh, we've heard stories of uh, people getting divorced, but still caring for their loved one. In the support group that we used to run down in Bloomington, one of our uh, attendees had to divorce his wife in order for the state to pay them any type of Medicaid, which they did. They had a legal divorce and he didn't stop loving her. Or living in the house. Or living you. in the house. And uh, it worked out for him. So we had to do the same thing for my mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that is sad that in this country to get the care <clears throat> a loved one needs we have to do things like that yeah. that shouldn't happen no. families should not be torn apart by because you want your loved one to have the best care possible right because you want to take care of them at home instead of putting them in a nursing home it's cheaper to care for them at home so come on you know uh, would you rather pay for the cost of a nursing home or a family? Right. But as you know, it's really hard taking care of somebody at home when it's just one person or, you know, you don't have a support system of people um, helping you. So having, you know, having two people like you guys are doing and, and being able to say, okay, especially because you know so well how it works, just saying, okay, you know, we need to take shifts, we need to do whatever. And just having two people is amazing because doing it by yourself <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Um, and even, even with two, and uh, there comes points in caring for any person with HD uh, that you have to say, I need a timeout. I have to, I have to get out of this room. And even with Bob, there were times that either Dave or I would say, that's it. You, you do this. I can't deal with it anymore. You see a little of that in the video that HDSA made for us. Uh, <clears throat> I hope you get a chance to show that at least parts of it. Uh, when Susie's had enough, she came to me and she said, I've had enough. I feel terrible. He's my son. How can I say I've had enough, but I've had enough? Mm -hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. 
time to take a break. Yeah. I'd go in and, you know, stay with Bob at that point. We understand that. We get that. But again, mm -hmm. like Lauren said, it's very tough with a single person. We were blessed that there were two of us. And one of the things that uh, Dave told me when in the early times of our relationship is we first there reached the point where we made a commitment to each other. And uh, this was several years before we were married. And then when we knew uh, we knew Bob had HD even before he tested. Uh, and Dave told me a number of times, you don't have to do it alone this time. And that's the thing. Uh, I didn't have to do it alone. When it was my hus husband, it was virtually me. The boys did as much as they could, but. Uh, it fell on you. Yeah. And same for Dave with Paula that until I moved in and helped Emily, especially our youngest did a lot in helping to care for and the other girls and John did, you know, as much as they could, but they had school activities and stuff. So, uh, you know, it mostly fell on Dave when he wasn't working. So, uh, yeah, it's, and the only way for me, the only way to get through it is to uh, have that faith and uh, not be afraid to ask for help. That was always my biggest thing, accepting help. That was like, I shouldn't have to have help. I'm a nurse. I can. I should be able to do this. I do it all day long at my work. Why can't I do it here? You know, but it's it's a totally different situation when it's someone you love. And so, God brought Dave into my life to help me with that, and to show me that, and to share that with me. And we do a a lot of laughing at each other. <laughs> laughing is good. Team effort. Mm -hmm. We do it together. As long as Dave doesn't show up in a Speedo, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to see me in a Speedo. <laughs> hey, next convention, you, you have to show up in a Speedo now. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. I I, I know I've learned a lot. I, I hope everybody watching this video can go, okay, take a deep breath and give some grace. Mm -hmm. And for people who have not been in this situation, know that this is such a complex disease and so, and, and, and it's so difficult and it's, but there's so much love and there's so much genuine love and you can still love your loved ones um, to the fullest extent. But it's so important to have yeah. your outside you support. Still have a life. You could still have a life. Exactly. Give yourself some grace. Well, and, and as Bob said, you live with HD. I mean, yeah. it, it's you know, it's this is all part of living with HD. And and yeah, 
I think it's great. It's your attitude and what you decide to do with it. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, I think one last thing that I would like to add, because it was a very difficult thing for me to accept. And it's that it's okay when you lose patience, uh, when you just don't know what to do. It's okay to scream. It's okay to cry. It does not make you a bad caregiver. It does not make you a bad person. You are human and we all go through that. It's what you do with it. That's the key. You can either let it beat you down or you can scream and cry and rant and rave and then say, okay, wipe your eyes and get back in there and even be able to laugh at the situation eventually. And we do a lot of that. <laughs> we do. And uh, I think that's the key. You have to know that it's okay mm -hmm. to be human and to love yourself, to love each other. That's our story and we're sticking to it. I love it. I'm like mic drop. Like that's it. Yeah. I thank love you guys. It. I'm thank you guys so much. much. Thank, you. thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.helpforhd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.